beautiful song of praise. Uh, to God be the glory. If you're a guest, you be open your Bible to Isaiah 6th chapter. We'll finish after a quick review to make sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, we are excited about the end of this year of placing an emphasis on prayer, but we're also excited about next year of placing an emphasis upon immersed we want to immerse our life totally into the will of God. And we'll be looking at that topic from various angles throughout the various months of next year. But especially right now, we want to think about immersed in awe of God. And you'll notice in the booklets that are on the corners of your pews, if you were not available to pick one of these up this morning, uh, they are on the edges of each pew. And so if you're sitting on an edge of a pew, do you mind passing those down? And uh, if you were not available to pick this up this morning, please grab a hold of that. And if your pew runs out of them, probably a pew in front of you or behind you will have some available. And, and if you don't, just after services, come to some of these that are empty. Or we also have a box in the information center. And what this is, is it is a study book, a study guide that will uh, take us through the New Testament, Psalm and Proverbs throughout this next year. It's 365 lessons. It's designed for a 15-minute study each day of a time of meditation, a time of actually reading the Scripture, a time of going back and reflecting on it, and then a time of going back and, and answering some questions. There's usually three or four questions for each of uh, the study guides, and then a time of prayer uh, to be prayerful about the application that you'll make in your day-to-day -day from that particular study. Uh, we said a lot about that this morning. I will not go into as much depth tonight, but to say, uh, if you're a guest, we want to invite you to take a copy of this and study deeper into God's Word. If you're a member of this congregation, we hope that you will take advantage of this opportunity to dig deeper into a study of God's Word this next year. We hope that as a families, you'll set aside some time to sit down on a regular basis and do some of these together. And then we hope as a church family that we'll be doing things throughout the year to bring emphasis and to help us learn more from a study of God's Word. Also, uh, to, to just give one more note of, of announcement for clarification about this, uh, we, we have been doing things like this for several years, and it's been a rich blessing to many of our lives. And also, as you do this over a period of time, you also learn the uh, questions that always come. And so we're going ahead and answering this question so that you don't look around after services and say, I don't know who to ask about this. There are always individuals that, that want to take this to somebody they know. They, they, I've got parents, I've got children, I've got a brother or sister, or I've got a friend, and whoever it may be. And so what we ask you to do tonight is, uh, if, if you want to give this as a gift to someone else, our cost is $5. You're welcome to purchase more of them. And if you want a large quantity of them, we may need to put you on hold at least for a few days and make sure that our members here uh, get the... Uh, their supply, and then uh, we surely can make available however many you need uh, beyond that. But tonight, if it's just a few, see us at the information uh, desk after services tonight, and we'll be glad to help you with those, as many of you already this morning uh, did. It is wonderful to think about uh, the, the positive comments that came 
from this morning's announcements about this. Uh, I was excited about this. I was very excited about this this morning. But after all of your comments, after the two services this morning, I was even more excited. Uh, I really think this is going to be a great study to take many of us deeper into the Word of God. And we hope that you'll join in with that. I do want to ask you, as I asked this morning, you got a few days until January 1. Will you please be prayerful? Will you please meditate about what commitment that you'll make to God? Will you make a commitment to God to say, I'll study daily in 2011, and, and I will study through your new covenant? And uh, think about that and pray about that and see if that's a commitment, if that's a vow that you want to make to God. And we hope that many, many in this congregation will do that. Uh, it's exciting to me to hear of even some of our young people uh, that read their Bible every day and have finished reading the entire Bible uh, this year. And that's, that is a great encouragement. And I know there's many others that you dedicated your life uh, to God. And knowing that to do that, we have to be dedicated to His Word. Uh, we do want to encourage all of us to continue to go to the blog and read about prayer for the last few days of this year. Many of our college age guys will be writing this week. And so already we've had a few of our high school guys to write, and they did a tremendous job. And so as several of the college-age guys write this week, go on and come in and encourage them in their writing and study deeply about prayer and then be people of prayer. And let's pray without ceasing. Isaiah 5 begins with that piece of poetry that lays out the husbandman of the vineyard being God and the, the vineyard itself being Israel and the fruit that was being produced was that wild fruit. And that wild fruit is further described throughout that chapter as the woes, the woes that dealt with things like greed and, and it dealt with their lack of ability to discern between good and evil and their deception of their self and they pulled sin like a, a rope card and, and they, they were perverting justice and, and it was a terrible fix that that society had found themselves in and probably at this point didn't even know how bad they were. It become the norm. It would become their life. And so it, it is in this setting that God is going to give a final warning to Judah. Because you see, after this final warning, the Babylonians are going to come over and they're going to destroy this. And in the fifth chapter, he warns them that this is going to happen using the language of the vineyard, that the walls are going to be torn down and the vineyard is going to be trampled upon and that there's going to be destruction. And so it's after this setting is given that we go into the sixth chapter. And it's in the sixth chapter that we have that timing of when this took place. And we know that this would be the end of the heir of Judah. That would be that great time of prosperity for them financially. But yet during that time of affluence was also the time that they had forgotten God. That ought to be a warning to all of us. The very God who blesses us so richly should never, never be swapped that we replace Him with our blessings. And Isaiah is called. We mentioned this morning how it seems kind of a strange timing. It looks like that would be the first chapter of Isaiah, but it's not. God chose to place it here in what comes now as our break in the Scriptures as the sixth chapter. And it's in this setting that He sees the Lord on a throne high and lifted up. And it's in this setting as he sees the Lord high and lifted up that he hears the seraphims and they're crying out our theme for this month. Holy, holy, 
Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And it's in this setting that he realizes how holy God is and how He is ruined. And we have our seventh woe of the two chapters. Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. And it was the symbolic cleansing where the seraphim flew over with tongs and and grabbed the coal off the altar. And as he touched it to his lips, the seraphim explained, your sins are purged. We mentioned this morning, we can't take that lightly. Friends, to know that our sins are forgiven, that's amazing. This morning, we watched Nikki baptized into Christ. Is she here? Nikki, raise your hand there. She was baptized into Christ after the, first serv- after the second service this morning. And, and what a wonderful young lady. She has been uh, a regular in this congregation for a good while and has been a hard, hard worker. And she's baptized into Christ. And think about that for a moment. Her sins were forgiven. Her sins are purged. The whole theme of the Scripture is redemption. And it's in the view of the Holy One that He sees the greatness of God, but He realizes how desperate He is. But He can't do anything Himself. And it's the Lord that can make us holy. And that cry out of the New Covenant for us to be holy, for He is holy. And once He is cleansed, The Lord says, who shall ascend? And who will go for me? And immediately this now holy man says to the holy God, here I am, send me. You know, through the weeks we've talked a little bit about the fact that holiness and sanctification are pretty much, they are the same concept and they're almost the same word and sometimes they're translated from the Greek to the very same. And so this idea of sanctification, I want you to think about vessels that were in the temple. They were sanctified. In other words, they were set apart for holy use. You couldn't take vessels that were in the temple and go back home and use them for daily purposes. You couldn't take the vessels out of the temple and and use them to prepare supper. Why? Because they were sanctified. They were holy. They were set apart. But notice, they weren't set apart just to be something isolated that had no purpose. And so when we talk about ourselves being holy, it's not that we're set apart so that we can be different from the world. I'll be honest with you, that that passage over in Peter in, in the King James that talks about in the King James that we are a peculiar people. When I was young, I honestly thought that what that meant was that Christians are to be so strange that they're to be different from the world, but that was it. I had to grow in my understanding to realize that word that is translated no King James peculiar is literally the idea of sanctification. It's the idea of being His people set apart. Yes, we are very different, but we're not different just so that we can be different. We're different because we now belong to God. And so now we are 
tools. We are people. We are servants for God's service. And you see how beautifully we see this in this setting? We see a holy God. We see a man who says, I'm ruined. We see a God who says, I can make you unruined. I can, I can purge your sin. I can make you holy. And so now this holy individual says, Lord, I'm now ready to be used in your service. Holy people are available for holy service. And so we, we come there to the ninth chapter as the Lord says, okay, I'll give you your task. Let's read that together. Let's go to the sixth chapter. Let's pick up in verse 9. And let's see the mission that he gave him. Isaiah, the sixth chapter, verse 9. He said, go and tell this people. Now pause there for a moment. This people. You remember... If they would have been holy people at this time, you know what he would have said? He would have said what he has said so many other times. He would have said, talk to my people. Or other times, it's talk to his people. Sometimes it's talk to God's people. But you know how God referred to them this time? This people. They're not like me anymore, God is saying. They're not holy Now they're simply a people. And I want you to go and tell. But so now we're thinking about Isaiah's mission. What was Isaiah's mission? Go and tell. That's interesting. What was the mission of the apostles? Go and tell. What's the mission of the church? Go and tell. Isn't that interesting that God has always used people that were holy, people that were sanctified for His service to go and tell others about the good news that God can bring into their lives. But what was their mindset? You see, his task was going to be a difficult task because their mindset wasn't what it should have been at this time. So let's continue reading here, but let's think about their mind. Look in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and uh, we read that go and tell in verse 9, but notice, this is what he's going to tell them. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Pause there for a moment. You know how when someone tells you something and you literally hear the fact that they're speaking? But if you don't understand what they're saying, you might say to them, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Didn't mean you didn't hear any noise. It meant you didn't understand what they were saying. And then, you know how sometimes somebody shows us something, but we didn't pay close attention. And we might say, can you show me that again? I didn't see. In other words, I saw your hands doing something, but I didn't perceive. I didn't comprehend it. And so therefore, I haven't learned from it. I need you to say that again so I can understand it. I need you to show me again so I can perceive it. Now, I want you to think about productivity. I want you to think about what makes something. And so he's laid out something here, and he says, I want you to go to the people, and I want you to realize and say to them, they're not hearing because they don't really understand. They're not seeing because they really don't perceive. Now, productivity, what does that make? What does that make in someone's life when they don't really try to understand the Word of God? That's why we want to promote 
a study of God's Word every day. Let's take time to study. We need to hear and understand what God is saying. We need to see and perceive and be able to close our Bibles at at the close of a study each day and say, I see more clearly what God's will is for me now that I've studied that chapter. But what happens when that doesn't happen? When we don't hear, when we don't see. Notice Notice this next verse in verse 10. It ties into what's just being said. Notice it makes the heart. See, we've got productivity. It makes the heart of his people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Dull hearts can't be touched. Dull hearts, using a phrase out of Acts 2 and 37. They can't be pricked. They can't be cut to the heart. What makes you the neighbor you ought to be when you have a tender heart? What makes you the son or the daughter of God that you ought to be when you have a tender heart? What makes you even love yourself the way you ought to love yourself when you have a tender heart? When hearts become calloused and dull, good cannot come. What makes hearts dull? What makes ears heavy so they don't want to hear? What makes eyes shut so they don't want to see? Now this may sound strange, but literally what makes that is when people decide to stop listening to God. When they decide to stop studying God's Word, then their heart becomes heavy, their heart becomes dull, and they literally reach the point where I don't want to hear anything about God. I don't want to see a message from God. Now, let's notice what the Lord... Now, keep in mind, this is the Lord telling Isaiah, I want you to go, and I want you to tell these people. Now, let's just pause here for a moment. How would you feel about this mission if you were Isaiah at this point? We'd, you know, we talked about this morning earlier when, when he saw the glory of the Lord. You know, my natural uh, kind of thinking about that is, you know, it'd almost be like a fist pump. Wow, I just saw the glory of the Lord. Well, how, how big is your fist pump going to be now when you say, sure, Lord, you, you want to send somebody? You want somebody to go? I, I would love to go for you. Send me. Okay, I'll send you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to tell people why their heart is so dull. And I want you to tell them why their eyes are shut. And I want you to tell them why their ears are heavy. Really? That's, that's what you had in mind? What, what do you want me to do? Well, notice, he wanted to give them an opportunity Look at the end there of verse 10. He wanted to give them the opportunity. Notice where it starts with a capital A and an. And understand with their heart and return and be healed. God wants them to return. He wants their heart to be softened so that they'll come back. But, but notice, they have to return and be healed. Since it snowed today we would be passing up too good of opportunity because it goes right along with what we're studying. I didn't really, when I was writing this lesson, think we had time to drop back. But let's take a little time and we'll take something off the end, okay? Drop back just a couple pages in your Bible. Go back to Isaiah, the first chapter. Isaiah, the first chapter. When, when we think, 
what was it that God was trying to get Judah to do? Well, we just read he's sending Isaiah in hopes that Isaiah could convince them to return to him. Notice this in in Isaiah, the first chapter, look at verse 18. Come now, this is Isaiah 1 and 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. That's powerful, isn't it? Think about it. This is the Lord saying, hey, will you come and, and let's talk through some things? Will you listen to me? What's, what's going to be required? If somebody's going to come and reason with God, they're going to have to come with ears that are ready to understand, eyes that are ready to perceive, and a heart that's not dull, but it is light. It is open. As a matter of fact, in the college class this morning, we studied about God's Word out of Psalm 119. And Matt Brown brought out a fact in one of the verses there. It talked about that our growing and understanding of the Word of God enlarges our heart. That's exactly what it says in Psalm 119. It enlarges our heart. Isn't that amazing that learning the Word of God enlarges our heart And when we shun the Word of God, it shrinks our heart. It dulls our heart. And so here, the Lord says, come reason with me. I have something that I want you to understand. I want you to perceive the truth in this. Okay, what is it, Lord, you want us to understand? And and we continue reading here. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. This morning, when you looked out your window... Maybe if you looked out early enough, you saw maybe your yard or maybe even the street before anyone or anything had tracked through it. How beautiful was that? Your sins are scarlet. Scarlet's a deep, deep red. Your sins are are ugly. They're deep. They're a stain. But the Lord, He can purge those sins. He can make your soul as white as snow. He continues here. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If, that's a big if right there, if you are willing and obedient. Note those two. We can be cleansed if we are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel. See how we have opposites there? If you're willing and obedient, or if you refuse, not willing, and rebel, not obedient. Now, if you are willing and obedient, he says, I'll save your land. In other words, I won't let Babylon come over and overtake you. But if you refuse and rebel, he says, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so when we say, what is this message that God is giving Isaiah? It's a very simple message. My plan is the very same. I protect those who live their life under my will. If they're willing, if they're obedient, I protect them. If they refuse and they rebel, I no longer protect them. Isaiah, I have a real simple message for you. I'm sending you to people that at this very moment, their ears not open, their eyes aren't open, and their heart is shut. Pretty tough mission. Let's go back now to where we were reading in Isaiah, the sixth chapter. And notice this plan that God had. 
In Isaiah the 6th chapter and verse 11, Isaiah asks the question that if any of us were in his shoes, and at least we started this mission, it would not take very long for it to dawn upon us this very same question. Verse 11, I said, Lord, how long? That's how hard his mission was. You want me to go to people who, they're shut down. And you want me to say this message, and you want me to proclaim. And keep in mind, they don't want to hear. They don't want to see. Their heart has, has no uh, invitation for such a message. So how long do you want me to do this? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant. And the houses are without a man. And the land is utterly destroyed. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. (laughs) Wait a minute. You're sending me to teach this message that if they'll listen, they'll turn back to you and you'll protect them. Yes. How long is this going to take? You preach the message until the enemy comes desolates their city, tears down their wall, and destroys most of the people. Friends, what would you do in Isaiah's shoes at that point? Would you begin some kind of human reasoning that would be very easy to reason? This is useless. God's wasting my time. I don't understand why He's asking me to do something when it is against everybody else's reasoning. Does God really expect me to be so different from everybody else? But notice God has a plan. Look here in 13. But yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming. As a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down so the holy seed shall be its done. You see, Isaiah, when Judah falls, it's going to be like the big oak tree has disappeared. It's almost as if he's saying human reasoning is, it's all wasted. Your ministry was in vain. God's plan is, is ended. He says, but notice that small remnant. A small remnant's been taken over to Babylon. One day, they're going to return. And it's like that big stump of that oak. A little shoot is going to come off of it. And you know what that, that shoot is? It's the holy seed. God wouldn't have said it if it wasn't supposed to be an answer and probably an answer of encouragement. What do you and I do when things seem to not be making sense? We have to always find that shoot, that holy seed. The answer is always when we are aligned in God's will, even if we don't understand what the details are. I don't think Isaiah had any way of knowing fully all that he was a part of. 
but he remained obedient. What is this holy seed? I'd like to show you just real quick a few other times and and bring this lesson uh, all together here, but letting you see it from different places. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned and Satan came into the garden there in Genesis the third chapter and after that there was passing out of the punishments. You remember in Genesis the third chapter in verse 15 what God said to Satan at that particular time. Notice what he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and notice, and her seed, capitalized S, her seed. He, who's the he? The seed of woman that's going to be Jesus Christ, her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, it looked like that Satan was winning. But the truth is, it was just a snake bite on the heel of man. Because when he was resurrected from the grave, the victory belonged to the Lord. And it was like a man crushing the head of a snake. All the way back in the third chapter of our Bible, we have not only prophecy of the Messiah, we have him being called that seed that throughout the scriptures is referred to as the Holy One. He is the answer. Can you imagine Adam and Eve turning their back because God is making them leave their home? I don't know if you've ever dwelt on that thought. I don't know if you've ever meditated upon that. But that had to be a sad, long day for Adam and Eve when God Almighty drove them away from their home. They're walking out of their home. What's the answer? Even though they had no way of understanding at that point, the answer was that seed that was going to bring redemption that would go back over time just as it goes forward over time for you and I. In Genesis, the 12th chapter, God comes to Abraham and He tells him that He's going to be the father of a great nation and that He's going to give him a land. And then in the third verse, he tells him, now notice this, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed by this seed that's through Abraham. What does that mean? Through the lineage of the Hebrew people, through Abraham's descendants, even though at this time Sarah was barren, it was through this lineage that the seed is going to be born. This lineage seems to be falling apart. The kingdom is divided. And now Judah, Judah seems as it's not going to stand. The Babylonians are coming. This is all over. And the Lord says to Isaiah, oh no. It'll look like to mankind it's all over. But listen here, Isaiah. There's life in that stump. The seed is still coming. We go to Luke, and we see Gabriel coming and talking to Mary. And it's in that setting that Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And in Luke's genealogy, you can trace Mary her bloodline, all the way back through Judah, all the way back to Abraham. Why? Because it was through her, Genesis 3, woman, Abraham, his covenant. Isaiah, 
the stump. The answer always goes back to the seed. There's hope for mankind out of the Garden of Eden because of the seed. There's hope for Abraham because of the seed. There's hope for Isaiah and Judah because of the seed. And now he comes, but it's not just for the Hebrew people. He comes for all families, all nations. And this brings us to Galatians, the third chapter. And we're wrapping this up, but please note this. This is huge for this study. Look at Galatians 3 and 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Let that sink in. Sons of God. How are we sons of God? For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. Biologically, genetically, I'm a Gentile. Spiritually, My veins are of the Hebrew nation. As Christians, we're sons and daughters of Abraham because there was something powerful that was a part of God's plan before the foundations of the earth. There's going to be a seed and He's coming through Abraham. And even when it looked like everything was gone, You couldn't stop God's plan. A virgin would give birth. A church would be born. All nations are invited to come and to be a part of this Holy One. This Holy Seed. There's no way each of these individuals realized what role they were playing. But do you get this? All they had to do was listen and submit to God. What did I learn today? I learned that life changes when we see the Holy One. I want to study the Scriptures so I can learn everything that there is to know about the one who sits on the throne. Because I want to be holy as He expects us to be holy. Number two, I learned that what others do doesn't change what God requires of us. Can you imagine being Isaiah? God, how long do you want me to do the right thing? How long do you want me to preach? Well, son... Everybody around you is going to do the wrong thing. Just keep preaching the right thing. God's not asking you at the end of the day what did everybody around you think about you. God wants to know at the end of the day, have you obeyed or rebelled? And then finally I learned there's a plan and there's a family And there's a promise. And it's all much bigger than me. 
God has a plan that's been in motion before the beginning of time. And if I'm going to be holy, I'm saying to God, Lord, I'll be a part of your plan. Use me. And I'm not going to understand how that's going to affect future generations. I'm not really going to understand, probably at times, how He's using me at the moment. But the question is, am I willing to be used? Do I realize the blessing of the family He gives me opportunity to be a part of? Has it really dawned on you and I the promise? We, as children of God, share in as joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Is that not amazing? An inheritance that we share with Jesus Christ. What a promise. Tonight, the Holy One, the Holy One of Israel, He is our only answer. You name a problem, and His way is the only answer. His promise, His plan, and His family is what He offers. Tonight, we don't extend an invitation because some of us sat down and thought of of something good that we would offer, or or wouldn't it be nice if we would offer you to be a part of, of this family? We offer the Lord's invitation. It's the Holy One of Israel that says, Come unto me, all you that labor. It's the Holy One of Israel that died and was buried and was resurrected. And that battle's already been fought and the victory's won. And all we have to do is decide which side we want to be on. The side that won or the side that lost. That's not a play on words. That's a fact. That victory's won. Which side do we want to be on? If you're ready to be immersed into Christ or you want to come back to the Lord, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.